Praise God. Praise God. Well, we're blessed. I said we're blessed. Does anybody feel like you're blessed? Hallelujah. I don't know what you've been going through and what you may be going through tonight, but I can promise you if you're serving God, the devil doesn't like it. And he's going to come against you more so in the end time. The scripture said he knows his time is short. You might say the devil's working overtime. But I'll tell you something greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I believe God has something for us tonight. I believe there's a word. I'm so glad for the word of God, aren't you? How many times has the enemy come against us and we just took a hold of that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we can defeat him? I've been praying that whatever curses Satan is trying to put on God's people, that God will just reverse the curse and every bit of it will go right back on the devil's head. In Jesus' name, praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Numbers, the 19th chapter. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord this evening. Good to see everybody out in this good Wednesday night. How many has been enjoying this beautiful weather? My, 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 my. Thank the Lord. In Numbers 19 and beginning in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you, Lord, to Let it go forth and accomplish what pleases you. Anoint these feeble lips of clay that we might do justice to bring forth this message. Touch the hearts and ears of every receiver tonight and let your word accomplish your will in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I want to read just a few more verses, but I didn't want to keep you standing. But verse 9 says, And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water 
Everybody say water of separation. It is a purification for sin. When we say separation, we're not talking about separating from one another. We're not talking about separation from God, but separation from sin. How many is glad for water baptism in the name of Jesus and the blood that separates your sin from you? It is for the remission of our sins. One scripture said, now arise, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing thy sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, we find types and shadows and patterns of God's plan of salvation. From the book of Genesis all the way through the, the book of Malachi, you will find reference to the blood, reference to the water, reference to the spirit, reference to new birth. This washing of purification with the ashes of the red heifer actually uses three ingredients that we want to talk about for just a moment. Verse 6 says, And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet, and cast it in the midst of the burning of the heifer. So not only were there ashes of the heifer, there were ashes of cedar wood, there, were, there was the ashes of the hyssop, and there was, not last but not least, the scarlet. We could take time, I'm not going to take a long time, but to talk to you for a moment about the significance of the cedar, the hyssop, and the scarlet. The cedar represents the tabernacle or the temple. The Bible said the walls were made of cedar that were overlaid in gold. God had a purpose in everything that he did. Every material that was used, every scripture is given by inspiration and has a purpose behind it. You say, well, what do we have to do with the tabernacle or the temple or the house of God? Well, I want to remind you of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. He says, you are the temple of God. When David had a desire to build God a house, God spoke to him through the prophet Nathan and said, I appreciate what you're wanting to do and I see your heart and I know that it's right. But what house could you build me? And how can you contain the power of the one who created the heavens and the earth when the heavens is his throne and earth is just his footstool and you're going to build me a house? But he said, in reality, David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm so glad I know where that house is. and I'm glad that we're part of it today. What he was having reference to in, 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 in the end time was he was going to build the house called the church of the living God. The Bible said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. There's only one church, the house of God. But there are individual mansions. And did you know that you are a mansion in the house of God? You are a temple in the house of God. You are a sufficient and, and equally important part that makes up the house of God. So we see the cedar as the house of God or the, God's people. 
The hyssop was used for the application of blood. In Exodus 12, verse 22 and 23, it says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood. And when he seeth the blood, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. We all know that the blood is applied through water baptism today in the New Testament church. When you go down in the water in Jesus' name, you've got the blood applied and the blood will wash away your sins and where sin was, no longer will death rule and reign because the wages of sin is death. But Jesus said, I'm gonna pass over you. Death will not strike you because I see the blood. So the hyssop, you might say, was a form of baptism in the name of Jesus. It was how the blood was applied. Scarlet represents the blood. We have the blood of Christ applied to us, of course, when we are dipped or baptized into the water in Jesus' name for cleansing or remission of sins. There are many Symbols throughout the Old Testament that represent something that is important for us today. We could talk about the cedar for a while, the house of God, or the hyssop, the way that precious blood is applied. But I want to, I want to speak to you for a few minutes this evening on the scarlet. The emphasis of our lesson tonight is going to be on the scarlet. Why was the color red or crimson? or scarlet, so important to God. If you stop and look at the building of the tabernacle and even in the temple and the clothing of the priest and the instruments, you will find it all over the word of God. The curtains of the tabernacle were blue, purple, and crimson. The door of the tabernacle, the veil to the holy of holies, the ephod, the girdle of the ephod, the breastplate of the high priest, the pomegranates on the hem of the robe of the high priest were all intertwined and made out of purple and blue and crimson. Now you may be an artist. Do we have any artists here tonight? Let me see. Anybody that, okay, there's one or two. You learn the basic colors and how to mix those colors together to form another. Even the colors that were so prominent in, in the curtains and the doorway and the covering of the tabernacle and the priesthood, you see these three colors continually over and over. You find the blue, which represents the heavenly or the spiritual. You find the red, which represents actually the earthly or the flesh, the blood, flesh and blood. Matter of fact, the first man, Adam, if you look up that word in Hebrew, they pronounce it Adam, and it means red. He was made out of the red. It must have been something like Mississippi dirt. That red will get all over you. And God made man out of the dust of the earth and called his name red. That's what Adam means. So the red represented man, earthly, natural, the blue represented 
God, his presence, his glory, the heavenly. And when you mix blue and red together, what do you get? Our, one of those artists tell me, what? Purple. So what was the significance of these colors? When God became flesh, no wonder they put on a purple robe around him. Amen. God became flesh. He wrapped himself in a robe of flesh. So the heavenly God who was in all over the heavens, his spirit fills the heavens and the earth, became a man. He became flesh. He became the second man, Adam. And when you have that mixture of God and man, you have the royal purple. But let's look at this scarlet for a moment. This is important. We find it all through, like I said, the Old Testament. We find Rahab's scarlet thread, the one that she let the spies of Israel down out of her window, and they went back and told Joshua how that the people of Jericho was fearing them, and God used that woman because of that. God spared her and her house. The scripture said that when they came back, the spies told her, said, now this is the only way we're gonna know. You take that scarlet, that red thread that you used to let us down out of the window and you hang it from that window. And when we see the scarlet, when we see the red, when we see the crimson, when we see the blood, we will not destroy you or anybody in your house. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you, when you get the blood on the house, something exciting is going to happen. When you get the blood on the house, you've got a covering by the power of Jesus Christ. Don't you let the devil condemn you. Don't you let the devil convince you that you can't make it because I'm telling you, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. When you plead the blood, not only does all heaven come to attention, all hell trembles. I remember one night, my wife, my family, my children, I'm going to tell you, the devil attacked your family with sickness, with infirmity, and disease, and discouragement. And every time you turn around, it like you take one step forward and two steps back. And I, re I remember going to the church that night, laying on the floor in my office, and I was just laying there, Bishop just praying. And I, I got sick and tired of what the devil was doing and I just started rebuking the devil. And I, I, I don't know how many's ever prayed in a church by yourself at night, but sometimes it's a spooky place. Because it ain't just the Holy Spirit that comes to church. There's all kind of spirits show up at church. And, and I couldn't blame it on anybody because there wasn't nobody there but me. I thought. But I was laying there praying and I, I just got aggravated at Satan and I said, devil, I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon you. You take your filthy hand off my household and my family. And, and about that time, I heard a bam, I mean loud noise, like somebody hit a piece of metal with a hammer. And I felt my body come up off the, the ground. <laughs> Wasn't nothing spiritual about that. It was a fear. I, I come up off that floor and landed back down on my back again and started speaking in tongues. 
as the Holy Ghost filled that office. And I heard the voice of God, not in an audible voice, but he spoke these words. Don't worry. The devil just left your house and that was the slamming of the door. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to tell you when you get the blood, when you plead the blood of Jesus, when you get the crimson, something powerful is going to happen. And so I went home and from that night, God began to heal my, my children and my wife and we, we had a season of, of wellness and good health and I thank God for that. Oh, there'll be other times where the devil will come again. He doesn't stop, but neither does God. So the importance of this Rahab scarlet thread saved her and her household. It was a sign also, scarlet was a sign of royalty and wealth. The wise woman of Proverbs 31, Scripture describes it like this, all her household are clothed with scarlet. Pilate's soldiers, when mocking Jesus as king of the Jews, Matthew 27, verse 28 and 29 said, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. One of the writers of the gospel said it was a purple robe. Maybe they put both on him, I don't know. But Matthew records it as it was a scarlet robe and, he pl and plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. What were they doing? Because they said he says he's the king of the Jews. Let's give him royal color. Let's put a crown on his head. Let's take a staff and bow a knee to him. All in mockery. But why was scarlet so costly? Why did it? God put so much emphasis upon the color red? The Bible tells us through all of these things that there's a purpose. God has a shadow. He has a pattern. He has a plan. And it is to give us today revelation. Matter of fact, the one scripture says that doth not even nature itself teach you. We can learn a lot of things just looking around, can't we, at what God does. But if you look at the word here in Numbers 9 and verse 6, the word scarlet, take the cedar wood, the hyssop, and scarlet. It is the Hebrew word tolaw, T-O-W-M, L.A., to law, which is defined, and this kind of surprised me when I, when I read it, it is defined as a worm, scarlet stuff, crimson. Also, worm, the female, cocos elisi. Now, that's Latin, and I hope I said it right. If we got any Latin scholars, you can tell me later on. It is the dye made from the dried body of the female of the worm Cocos elicit, commonly called the scarlet worm. I'm teaching tonight on that subject, the scarlet worm, because God has a beautiful analogy of this scarlet color that was derived from the scarlet 
worm. The scarlet worm, I'm going to just read a little process of this. I hope it won't get too boring to you. But we'll, we'll get back to the purpose of it in just a little bit. Here's what happens. When the female of the scarlet worm species was ready to give birth to her young, she would attach her body to the trunk of a tree, fixing herself so firmly and permanently that she would never leave again. The eggs deposited beneath her body were thus protected until the larvae were hatched and able to enter their own life cycle. As the mother died, the crimson fluid stained her body and the surrounding wood. It also permanently stained the babies until they were also became scarlet worms. From the dead bodies of such female scarlet worms, the commercial scarlet dyes of antiquity were extracted. I don't know if you're starting to see a picture that I started seeing when I read about this, but just bear with me for a little bit. This is a picture of Jesus Christ dying on the tree, shedding his precious blood that he might bring many sons unto glory, Hebrews 2 and 10. Psalms 22 and 6 describes such a worm and gives us this picture of Christ. This is written by Henry Morris from his book, The Biblical Basis for Modern Science. If you would, I'd like you to put the picture up there because sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words. I got a picture of what these scarlet worms look like. It's a little bit blurry looking, but you can see each one of those is a scarlet worm and is attached to a, an oak tree, which is what they prefer in the Holy Land. It would take a lot of little worms sacrificing to get a little bit of red dye. No wonder it was so priceless. No wonder it was called precious. But I know something else that's precious, and it's called the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. This mother attached herself to the tree. Let me give you a little more detail about this. The mother climbs up a piece of wood, mainly a particular type of tree, in order to lay her eggs. She then attaches herself to the tree, building a hard red shell around her. And inside this crimson shell, she lays her eggs and keeps them under her body to protect them. The baby grubs are hatched and they feed on the mother's body for three days. Now, this may sound gross, may sound cruel, but do you remember what Jesus said? Except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part with me. I'm telling you that many of them began to walk away from Jesus when he said this. This is what's going, let me tell you, folks, this is what's going to separate you from the world. It's not how much you speak in tongues. It's not how holy you can dress. But I'm telling you, the name of Jesus is going to be what separates you from the world. The blood of the Lamb is going to be what's going to turn a lot of people off. There's already a certain editions of the Bible and so-called translations and versions 
that they call bloodless versions because they never mention the blood whatsoever. What was it when the devil realized the mistake he had made by crucifying Jesus on the cross by that mother of all living, praise God, the bride of Christ hanging on the cross, giving up his life so that we could have new birth. When he realized what he did, notice what the crowd began to cry out. If you really are the son of God, come down off that cross. Don't you know the devil would have loved Jesus to come down? But the Bible says that he refused. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world, but where would we be? Jesus loved us so much that God became flesh and laid down his life for us and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Every one of us needs to be a scarlet worm that can hang on the old cross and crucify the flesh. Praise God. Not that our blood can cleanse, but that we can tell somebody we know a Savior whose blood can wash your sins away and you can be a soul winner and produce children in the house of God. Notice what happens. She protects them with this shell of her body. They feed on the mother's body for three days. That's not just coincidence either. <laughs> During this time, a bright crimson red flood oozes from the mother. This red fluid stains the wood that she is attached to and the baby grubs are covered, being permanently stained with it. I'm going to tell you something, whether you know it or not, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've got a permanent stain that's going to stay with you for life. I've known of people been backslide for years, but they can't ever, they can't ever get away from, well, they got baptized in Jesus' name. They, when they felt the blood, come on, there's something about the power of the blood, something about the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. David, my son, was telling me when he was in some of his worst conditions, living for the devil out there, he'd wake up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues. He couldn't get away from this message. He couldn't get away from this truth. Try to hide it. Try to push it under the rug. Somebody can walk up to you and you may have tattoos from head to toe. You may look like the furthest thing from a child of God, but they can walk up to you and say, hey, there's something different about you. I feel something when I come around you. Whoa, let me tell you, the God that we serve, you can't get away from this. There's a lot of people that's walked away. But I'm telling you, they'll never be the same because they've been covered by the blood and that blood is a permanent covering. I'm telling you, it doesn't mean once saved, always saved. I'm just talking about when you do come back to God and repent and get your heart right with God and get renewed in the Holy Ghost, you don't have to go down the water again in the name of Jesus because that first time you went down, that blood got permanently applied. Woo! It not only took care of the sins of the past, but it takes care of the sins of the present and of the future. 
baby grubs are covered, being permanently stained with it. You can put the picture back up there a minute. You can see the grubs permanently crimson. And each one will live their own cycle. They only do this, they only have babies one time. Only once. That's not just coincidence either. One scripture says that Jesus died once and for all. He said with the old blood sacrifice of bulls and goats, the priest had to go continually and offer it over and over and over again. All it did was push the sins up from one day of atonement to the next day of atonement a year later. But when Jesus' blood is applied, when the Lamb of God shed his precious blood for us once and for all, he doesn't have to go back to Calvary anymore. Still washing away sins today. Aren't you thankful? After 2,000 years. The mother being still attached to the shell and to the tree dies. I might say that no one stuck her on that tree. She climbed up it because the maker that created her was going to show the whole world through a natural phenomenon the likeness of what he did for us also. He said, no man taketh my life. I lay it down. The difference in him and this worm, she dies and that's the end of it. But when he died, three days later, he came back to life and he's alive forevermore. No man takes my life. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll raise it up again. Woo, hallelujah. Mother being still attached to the tree dies so that she can birth a family. Jesus died so that we could be born again, the family of God. Oh, hallelujah. But watch this. This was interesting. I said it all ended for her when she died, but really it didn't. On day four, the mother's tail pulls up to her head making a heart-like shape, and she is no longer red. She has turned into snow-white wax. This snow-white body looks like a little piece of wool on the side of the tree, and after a while it begins to flake off and falls to the ground like snow. Notice the scientific description said it becomes wax and like a piece of wool stuck to the tree. Then it falls to the ground like snow. Put up there, if you would, Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Come now and let us reason together saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. Here it is. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That scarlet worm is now white as snow and is, looks like a piece of wool. The word in this 
Scarlet in this scripture is translated from the Hebrew word shawni, which is defined as scarlet, crimson, properly the insect, cocos elysis, the dried body of the female yielding coloring matter from which is made the dye used for cloth to color its scarlet or crimson. The word crimson in the Hebrew is the word tolal. In Psalm 22, David, under the anointing of God's spirit a thousand years before it happened, miraculously prophesies the suffering of Jesus on the cross using some of the exact words of Jesus. Let's look at them quickly. Psalm 22 and 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalms 22, 7 through 8, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him now. Matthew 27 and 43, trusted in God, let him deliver him now. Psalm 22, 16 and verse 18, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is the crucifixion, David saying. A thousand years before it ever happened. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Matthew 27 and 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Coincidence? I don't think so. God has ordained everything in nature for his own glory and to magnify his name. And I want you to notice this. Amazingly, in Psalm 22 and 6, if you would put Psalm 22 and 6 up there, notice what he says, but I am a, a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. When you look that word worm up, if you've got a concordance, you can do it in the Strong's. It'll be the word toloth. I am scarlet. I am scarlet. The scarlet worm. Jesus actually is saying a thousand years before it happens, that little scarlet worm that you've been getting all this dye from to dye the tabernacle curtains, the priest garments, the scarlet thread, all through the word, he said, I am that blood. I am that worm. I am that scarlet. In conclusion, somebody said, what does that mean when a preacher says that? Nothing. Just gives you a little hope. But in conclusion, let me read a few things to you. So we see Christ, the scarlet worm, attaching himself to the tree 
emptying himself of his lifeblood so that we can be born his children, the new birth. I want you to understand how important that blood is. When we take communion, we take the wine as it represents the blood and the unleavened bread as it represents the body of Christ. Paul had to rebuke the church at Corinth. I had a lady ask me the other day, not from this church, but when you, when you retire from pastor and you still pastor, <laughs> and especially when you pastored three churches, they, they all want to come to you sometime to ask a question. And they said, um, I don't understand how we can take communion when the Bible said you've taken it unworthy. said, aren't we all unworthy? I said, yes, we're unworthy. But if you'll read that, it didn't say you've taken it unworthy. It said you've taken it unworthily. Not discerning the the blood and the body. When we take communion... It is so important. Jesus said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. When you take that communion, remember that that's not just a sip of wine that you're drinking. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, which is the only blood that can wash our sins away. It's through his blood that our bodies are healed. Can you say amen? We, we eat it, we're partaking of that body. That's exactly what those little baby grubs were doing. They eat away at that body of the mother until all the blood is gone, all the body is gone, and all there is is a shell. I say that because Paul said, because you've done it unworthily, you eat because you're hungry and you're drinking and getting drunk. You're not doing it worthily. You're you're not discerning the body and the blood. Because of that, many of you are sick and some of you are dying. They didn't even realize, man, through that blood, I'm getting healed. Come on, with his stripes, we were healed. That blood is our healing. That blood is our salvation. So the the emptying of himself of his lifeblood so we can be born. The scarlet worm only gives birth to her babies once in a lifetime. Jesus died once for our sins, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, Romans 6 and 10. The crimson dye from the scarlet worm was costly because it was precious. Does anybody know what? Qualifies something to be called precious. It's rare. The reason gold and silver are called precious metals is because they're not as plenteous as iron or steel or aluminum, copper. They're called precious metals because of the scarcity of it. Well, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus is called precious. Why? Because it's the only blood that can cleanse us of our sins. 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In comparison to the blood of Jesus, Peter calls silver and gold corruptible. 
precious metals. No, what's precious is the blood of Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The crushed scarlet worm was also used, I like this, this was interesting, to make medicine that helps the heart beat smoothly. So not only did this scarlet worm represent life to her children, it not only dyed the clothes of regals and kings and priests, and by the way, the Bible said he hath made us kings and priests unto him. Why? By clothing us with his blood, the scarlet. But it also is for our healing. Isaiah 53 and 5 said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Last but not least, the white wax body was used to make shellac. So not only did they use this scarlet worm to get the dye, to dye their garments, but once it had fallen off the tree and was empty of all the red fluid and was a white glob of wax, they would take that and they would make shellac out of it for the preservation of wood. Is anybody thankful tonight that God is able to preserve you and keep you unto the coming of Jesus Christ? I don't care if you just got the Holy Ghost Sunday or if you've had it for 60 years. That same power of the Holy Ghost that filled you, that delivered you, that same blood that cleansed you will preserve you and will keep you. Paul put it like this in 2 Timothy 4 and 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God that is such a creator to make such a little insignificant thing as a scarlet worm and then liken his glorious majesty unto that worm? Even speaking prophetically, I am a worm. I am the scarlet worm. If you're thankful for the blood of Christ tonight, I want you to stand with me and let's lift our hands and praise him for it in Jesus' name. God, we thank you because you are the creator of all things. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, didn't say go to the king of the nation and we'll show you the work of God. He said, go to the ant, the little ant, thou thou sluggard. Go to the ant, consider her ways. You show your power and glory, not in the glory of man, but in the small, insignificant things that you created. We thank you, Father, for the power of the blood. We thank you for the power of your spirit. Jesus, 
not only that that blood can wash our sins away, but that it will preserve us and keep us till the day of your kingdom. Oh, thank you, God. From day to day, it will never, never, never lose its power. the highest mountain. If you're thankful for the blood, why don't you just step out of your seat for a moment. Walk up here to the front for just a few minutes. Show the Lord how much you appreciate the sacrifice He did for you at Calvary. He attached Himself to that tree. His blood stained that tree crimson red. And he wouldn't come down even when they begged him to because he knew that he had to drain his life of blood that we could be saved. Highest mountain. Yes, it does. And it reaches all the way to the lowest valley. Praise God. 
Not only are we fearfully and wondrously made, everything God created is, isn't it? And there's a lesson in it all for us. God bless you tonight. Amen. If there's anybody who wants to be baptized in Jesus' name, get that blood applied tonight. Let us know. Praise God. We can do that on Wednesday night just as good as on Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Brother Bishop, do we have any announcements that you're aware of? Anybody know? All right. We'll see all of you Sunday then, Lord willing. God bless you in Jesus' name.